glass, ice, pour. Hello, friends, and welcome to Whiskey and Rye. I am your host, Ryan Charles Brown. Very happy to be with you tonight and very happy to be joined by a very special guest. We are all in for a treat. I am very happy to introduce uh, tonight my good friend, Ruth Schmidt. Ruth, thanks so much for being here with us tonight. Oh, yeah, it's so fun to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, nice to have a guest. I've done two episodes lately that's just been me, like, talking about random stuff that's been on my mind, Um, you know, just covering different things like COVID and partnership and parenting and those types of things. So it's nice to have someone else to talk with tonight because I've just been kind of, like, in my in my studio here rambling to myself oh I know how that I know that goes yeah I feel like I'm taking it back to like the old school traditional podcast where it's just like one angry white guy just ranting about things you know <laughs> just to himself it's very nostalgic yeah it yeah it's very classic these days we're all we're all taking it back so so anyways how how are you how are you doing how's life been since this whole thing happened you know, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. I think everybody has experienced this in waves and um, just like with stages of grief, there's been stages of COVID and yeah. I had my first wave of like extreme sadness in mid-March and then like, okay, let's get through this and then like depression. And now I'm at like a, let's redesign our lives around this because it's not going anywhere. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, the uh, the news of extension is uh, upon us, uh, or it's already happened. Uh, I, I haven't heard. It's they're being rather ambig- ambiguous here in LA County because I don't think they want to like tip people like and make them like really upset. But yeah, so I feel like they're being a little cavalier about it out here, a little too coy. Yeah, I'm curious. I think that they're going to strongly recommend that we stay in till August, but I don't think that they're going to be able to enforce it. <laughs> Yeah, there's not going to be any enforcing. Um, I understand. I like the I like the mask message now. Now the message is masks. We all need to get behind masks. We all need to do our part to wear masks. So, uh, I have a couple of homemade masks for my sister. No Wait. kidding. Yeah, yeah. She, um, my sister, who's also a nurse, by the way. Uh, so we have a nurse making masks. Yeah. Oh my god. And selling them at a very reasonable price, if in if selling them at all um yeah I'm very proud of her Um, how is she holding up I have a brother in the medical field too so it's yeah there's an extra weight I think going through this with someone who's working in healthcare. yeah yeah so um my sister who I don't actually talk a lot about my sisters on the show so this is actually fun for me um but my so my middle sister Christy uh she's a nurse and you know I she's never taken the Enneagram test but I classify her which is terrible um to do as a nine I'm, i would bet my life on it i'm so, a nine yeah so so imagine a nine uh as a nurse who her job is she's a floater so she's very skilled she's a very skilled nurse she has degree she has multiple degrees which you know she's uh, uh, really amazing in that so she floats from different floors uh so she is just kind of dealing with all sorts of people um and she kind of deals with the worst of the worst uh and so she's just very patient you know she's very Mm. but yeah she um the world will never really know exactly how she feels about this you know what I mean she's very she's gonna just kind of like keep her thoughts and her opinions to herself and um just try to live by example and just do the right thing with her actions 
I, that is so interesting you say that because I see the same type of behavior in my brother. He, he works in a skilled nursing facility. Okay. And there's something about him just being like, um, I'm just going to put my head down and do this. That yep. is interesting, you know? I'm like, okay, all right. We don't have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, when, you know, when things about like staying at home, you know, she like bubbled up. We do a family Bible study on Fridays which has been great. That's something that started since COVID. Um, and she kind of bubbled up one time. She's like, well, it's called a safer at home reason for a reason, you know, <laughs> but that's like, a, that's as a nine, you know, that's, that's bubbling up. Yep. 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 <laughs> so, um, so, so yeah, but she's, uh, but she's doing good. Also, here's a fun, just a little thing about my sister. My sister actually right now, she's actually a, a surrogate. So she's carrying someone else's child right now. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she connected with someone that she went to high school with, uh, and she had had this, you know, my sister's a very religious person. I, my family's very religious, but my sister, um, uh, we're very religious in different ways. You know, obviously I'm my own thing and my family, they, they love me. They probably think I'm crazy, but my sister's a little more grounded, very religious, um, very dedicated, very deep, uh, woman of faith. And she just felt this, she felt this thing to, to, to do this for someone and the right opportunity came about and everything happened. And so, yeah, so she felt there. So she's about to be uh, halfway. She's just uh, 20 weeks. I think. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Yep. Yeah. So it's pretty incredible. So um, yeah. Thanks for letting me share about that. That's yeah. Uh, Cheers to her. That's <laughs> yeah. And your brother as well, because uh, anybody that's working in, and you said it's a specialized facility. So what's, what's that like? Oh, it's a nursing home. Basically. That's like a fancy word for nursing. Home. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, real things like mm. ventilators, um, high risk patients, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. They've got COVID patients there. Yeah. This is back in, you're from uh, Missouri, correct? Yeah, I'm from Kansas City, but he actually works in the Bay Area here in in California. So he's oh, right in the thick of it. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So we're definitely going to uh, we'll raise a glass to him. That's right. <laughs> um, are you are you with someone? Are you Are you doing this by yourself? Like, what's your, what's your quarantine status? Yeah, good question. I'm trying, um, I'm trying to make that a trending thing. You remember when, like, relationship status was all the thing on Facebook? I'm trying to think, what's your quarantine status? Are you quarantined <laughs> by yourself or are you quarantined with someone? And both are, like, they have blessings and curses, you know? Both have their own challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have two roommates, but one of them went back to her home state of Colorado as soon as this whole thing hit so it's just been two of us in the apartment and it's been so great we're we're both nines on the Enneagram and so we just like give each other lots of space Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's great a lot of forgiveness a lot of grace yeah 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 so I'm enjoying it that's good. Um, well, it's been, you know, me and my wife and, uh, and our son. So it's been the three of us predominantly. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm at the point now where we're doing art projects, uh, and I am the least crafty person ever, but I think the biggest lesson, uh, one of the biggest lessons I've learned during this time is that, you know, we, I put way too much, um, emphasis on perfection of things mm. that we even like works of art with my child, like they're supposed to be messy, right? You know what I mean? Like if I paint with a 20 month old, like 
do I expect it to be like this nice, like, you know, like, like he's going to be some, you know, Rembrandt at a super young age. Like, no, it's going to be totally messy and crazy. And that's, that's the whole point. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, so we're trying to do some crafts. We're going to do like some handprints. Oh, fun. That's going to be the new thing that we're doing. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the more paint on the hands, the better. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, he's very, he, he loves like how, how things feel, you know what mm. I mean? That kinesthetic thing. So he, if things are on his hand, he, he, he's very like inquisitive about it. So it's really cool. He's at that age where like, he really kind of like figures, tries to figure things out and it's, it's really fun. Yeah. It's really, it's a fun time. So he's, yeah. he's like winning during this quarantine time because my wife works from home too. So she's working from home. I'm home all the time because um, I'm just uh, I stopped driving for Uber um, in March when this whole thing went down and I've just been um, working part time for a church in Glendale and doing, you know, the church planning stuff, how we, uh, how we know each other. Yeah. Um, so I've just been focusing on that. Um, but that gives me ample time to be with him during the day, which is just so nice. You know? Yeah, that'll be like a, a season to remember, exactly. you know. Mm -hmm. yeah in more than one way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um so I mentioned that, you know, I met you uh because we're both um interested in church planting and um and we're interested in working in faith and things like that. So I I know um I know that part about you, but before you embarked on this part of your career, you spent about 10 years, you said, in, in advertising, if I remember from a question. So, so I would love to get to know a little bit about that part of your life I don't I don't know how I don't know that much about you in that area so so um you know how how did you fall into advertising was it an undergrad thing or how did you come into that yeah I feel like it was I was really lucky honestly I graduated in 08 right when the markets crashed and nobody from my college graduating class really had the job that they wanted <laughs> um but I got an internship and that was just through a babysitting gig, friends of friends. Somebody was just a director of marketing at a, at an agency. And I wanted to be a journalist, but I threw that out the window as soon as the market crashed. And I was like, I will do anything. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did a lot of, I did some PR work at the very beginning. And then um, I did, I kind of did the whole, I don't know if you've seen Mad Men, but Peggy, how she was the secretary. And then she wrote on the side. I did that. So I was like answering phones during the day and then like writing advertising copy at night and trying to like weasel my way into this boys club. Um, there is as much drinking in agencies now as there was back then. Yeah. Is it still about the same? Oh yeah. I was culture. definitely, we had at least two kegs at almost every, either two kegs or a full bar at every single job where I worked. Um, Wow. It was great. The only place, my last job in Kansas City was uh, World Headquarters for Hallmark Cards is in Kansas City. And I worked there on their marketing internal agency team. They do not have. Like, <laughs> Hallmark seems like a dry company to me. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Martinelli's or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There was, there was no drinking there. So. <laughs> My sister worked for Hallmark, actually. It was her oh. first job. She worked for Hallmark Brick and Mortar uh, downtown LA. Um, no it was, uh, yeah, it was, it's no longer there, but it was like underneath, um, it was like underneath this Macy's Plaza uh, in downtown LA. And that's where, that's where my sister's first job. Yeah, she worked there for like three or four years. 
Wow, so it was like a Hallmark Gold Crown yeah, gift exactly. store. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. awesome. Exactly. It was probably a great job. She loved it. And yeah. they loved her. Yeah, it was, I think it was family owned, like franchised. You know what I mean? So, you know, the yeah. were really cool. And she worked with her best friend. And yeah, they just like killed it. And, you know, she was great with inventory and she's great with numbers. She works for, this is my youngest sister. I have two sisters. This is the youngest one, the one that I moved out here with. Um, she works for Disney now. So she's just like killing the game. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. But I mean, she got, you know, it's so funny when you're 19 and you move to California and you don't have a job. You know, she was working at Hallmark and she was working at American Eagle. Those wow. Are, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's crazy. So living, anyway, living the dream. Yeah, advertising. You are writing. You're doing all these things. You're working your way. Yeah, I got it. I got into it, and then um, I think towards the end of my career, I, I, it's so interesting. I had set my sights on a certain agency in Kansas City that I was like, "This is the ad agency. If I get there, I will have reached the top." It was kind of like the thing for me. And then I got there, and I was like, "I still don't love this." job um and towards the very end I got pulled in on some more strategy writing like like brand strategy instead of just straight up copywriting and I think that's when I found what I really really enjoyed and um that was just kind of a process of getting to know myself I think and you have to give yourself time you know to figure that out so that is something that's fun because it translates into ministry yeah. And it tra- translates into church planting and um mm-hmm. yeah i mean advertising i just I, looking back i i didn't know it at the time but it was probably the best possible primer and jump start for working as a pastor like yeah right yeah yeah good good intuition about what people are looking for and what their emotional needs are and then also just fine tuned communication skills mm-hmm. st- business strategy all those things no one, t- yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No one tells pastors that you know. So I'm grateful. Yeah, I feel that way about Uber. You know, as like mm-hmm. a primer for becoming a church planter. You know, um, I feel so much more connected to people. You know, because you feel like you're in tune to that pulse a little bit more. You know, and advertising is so funny. I loved Mad Men. I haven't finished it. Um, I never finished the series. I got pretty far into it. Um, I keep trying to get back into it, but for some reason, I'm having a hard time. I don't know what it is. I'm just having a hard time breaking on through to the other side. But um, but one of the lines from that uh, show really kind of um, kind of gave me the okay to be church planning. Don Draper says. One party he says, I've, I, I have all the bricks. I'm just not sure what the building looks like yet. And yeah. that's how I felt about church planting. And Ooh, I think yeah. a lot of people, when they're discerning, that's how they feel about starting a new, they're like, I've got all, I've got all the bricks. I've got all the materials. Like I can see it, but I, I just don't, I just don't have building yet. You know what I mean? It's just not, it's just not real. Um, so, so I, I can see how that translation would be for you too. And I also think just in terms of like messaging, you know what I mean? And how to connect with people, you know, um, any like big clients or any big, any like big projects off the top of your head that like stick out to you that you remember, you know, that, that, that maybe would be a good example of, you know, something like that. 
Um, I think the first large client I worked on was at the time they were trying to launch a free online magazine for up and coming athletes who wanted to make the leap from like high level high school to pro. Okay. And so I was interviewing um, Olympic coaches and athletes and trainers over the phone and doing interviews to write up these articles about how to train for the next level. And um, it was an amazing project. Like I, I don't think I knew how cool it was. It was my first real gig and, um, but turns out it was too, too much content marketing and not enough direct sale. And so I think they pulled the plug for that reason, but the good marketing is always content marketing, you know, like give the people something good. Yeah. Yeah. That now content marketing, explain that a little bit more. I'm, I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, totally. So content marketing takes something of value. Um, Red Bull is a great example. They have done this so well. So they put out the Red Bull magazine. They host extreme games. Like they've decided they're just going to give the people what they want. And by the way, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, by the way, we sell an energy drink. Did you know that? And everyone's like, what? That too? You know, (laughs) like. (laughs) That's true. true. So they are like the held up as the prime example of a company that was like selfless giving of everything that people want. and then sell a product at the end of the day you know that's true because whenever i think about red bull i think about the early days of red bull when i was working at urban outfitters uh, on michigan state's campus and some sorority girls would come in with red bulls and just hook us up like hey (laughs) hey it's a it's a tuesday here's some red bull for for you all and we're like are you serious right now like it was almost like they knew it was like they bugged our where our our place or something because it was every on every day that we were just like dying or something was happened those red bull people would show up <laughs> actually my one of my best friends uh was a red bull distributor for a while and he absolutely loved it and uh he thought it was a great job but now that you think now that it's funny now that you mention it when i think of red bull i think of those silly commercials the wings red bull gives you wings and i think about how they just were always like hooking it up. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. They're, they were brilliant. They were ahead of the game by like two decades, probably. So you think that was like innovative? They, you think maybe like that seems like it, um, it has like hearkenings back to something that Apple might do. You know what I mean? And not like giving it away. You know what I mean? They wouldn't give something away, but like in terms of creating like a, like a vibe, you know? That's true. Like, yeah, I'd say as far as image goes, it maps on Apple's pathway. Um, Apple never really did content marketing very well, though. They just focused on extremely beautiful products. Yeah. 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 I think if they were going to do content marketing, Apple should provide free computer and tech care. Yeah. And they should offer that information. Yeah. Which they won't do. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. Which they won't. Yeah. Which they won't. Probably because so another so in this time um of quarantine, I've been watching some shows that I never caught up on. And one of those was Silicon Valley. Mm. Watched the whole series. You ever watched it? No. Well, that's another great parallel to church planting, especially like the first like five episodes, because it's all about starting this thing out of nothing. You know what I mean? It's just this idea that this person has, and it's a crazy idea, you know? And it's so funny that the crazy idea ends up becoming even, even crazier idea, you know? Um, 
And so, again, I just think it's, uh, it's again, in terms of like having this vision, right. And being able to see, you know, you can see this thing, but I think one of the things that I'm struggling with as a church planter and as someone who's moving something out is, is conveying a message, mm-hmm. helping people understand like what the F we are, like, uh, our community, we're called Proximia. And this is probably actually the first time I'm talking about this on the show, but we're called Proximia. And, um, you know, I can talk about, you know, where this we're building community, you know, we're mission, missional purpose and all this other stuff, but like still at the end of the day, people are like, what the heck are you? You know what I mean? So like crafting that clear message is so important. So, um, so what are your thoughts on that? You know, in terms of like, you, you're kind of talking about like church stuff and how it trends, like, what are your thoughts about like, you know, how do, you know, like using advertising and using advertising theory to kind of helping promote this good work that you and I are trying to do? Yeah. It's so interesting. One of the first things that you do when you're creating a brand um, strategy or let's say a specific campaign strategy is you create different personas of the people who might interact with your brand. And then you do research with those people. So you get focus groups together and you test it out. Then you look at that data and you make changes. So I think like the soft launch model of a church plant is almost like that data mining that you do in advertising where you're just like, how does this feel guys? Does this ring true? Like, does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So this, that first circle of friends that you tell your shit to, and then they're like, no man, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That is so tough. I know for me, especially like those initial, like that initial first thing where I was like, Hey, here's my idea here, whatever. And people are like, that sounds cool. But like, like what is it and like and I just I, it was so hard not to fold like a house of cards at that moment right because you you're like it makes more sense to you you know but then yeah. at the end of the day you're just not but that's where I appreciate uber because every single person that would open the back door to my car and sit down would ask me what do you do mm-hmm. I started driving when I was in seminary so I had this, you know, I started talking, oh, yeah, I got this idea about like, you know, building community. I'm about building community. I kind of want to do it online. I do like this podcast kind of, I don't, I don't really know. I haven't really put it all together. That's where I said, I got the, I got the building. I would tell the people every, I would say that quote probably 10 times a day. You know, Don Draper, you know? And that was like yeah. my exit out of the conversation. It was like, truthfully, I had no fucking idea what I was going to do. <laughs> right. I, no I knew I wanted, I, I have this seminary degree. I know I want to do something, but like, I got no idea. But eventually, the more I talk about it, the more I pitch, the more I pitch, and the more that real people who some of them could give two shits about, you know, faith and Jesus and Christianity and like doing stuff for other people, they're telling me real time what they think about my idea. Yes. Uh, And it was, it was, it was hard to hear, but people pay millions of dollars for that type of feedback. Yes. Immediate real-time feedback. That's so true. You had like an amazing resource. <laughs> yeah. I had an endless resource of people to bounce my ideas off of. So even as I was like starting this podcast, like, you know, uh, we've pivoted a couple of times, you know, into what, what even like our, our, you know, it was, it was like, we were dancing around, like, you know, we, we were talking a lot about toxic masculinity, but then like that, ended up just kind of like becoming a stale conversation because we weren't really moving anything forward. Mm. And then we sort of, that sort of pivoted to talking about fatherhood and things like that. And, um, and now I'm just sort of talking about more like broad topics, topics in general. And, and even now I've pivoted into talking just now even more about 
just stuff that I'm interested in, you know, because I was real, I realized I was forming this show into something that was inorganic mm. and more specifically inauthentic, you know, to who I really was. So, um, so, so that's why I've been trying to uh, have more people like you on the show and, and talk about more of these things that are more about like who I am and things that are on my mind and, uh, and, and different things like that. So, so, um, so where are you right now in terms of like doing church stuff? Um, are you're, you're in seminary right now, correct? Yeah, I was supposed to graduate, but the whole COVID thing kind of threw that off. So I'm probably going to be done in winter instead of spring. Okay. Um, and I am in the middle of or the ordination process with the PCUSA still involved with 1001 worshiping communities with um, the PCUSA. I have a cohort that I meet with and they're like giving me life. Um, Shout out to them. Yes. And um, I'm in the dreaming stage still. I've got, it's so funny. I, today I was journaling and like some legit planning and strategy thoughts came to me for the first time, I think ever. That's great. Um, So yeah, it's a good day. There's, there's some good, there's a good movement. Um, I've got a really good job lined up for July and I'm going to work that for a couple of years and just try to finish the ordination process. They don't make it easy. So it's going to be, it's going to be a while. Yeah. What's that process been, been like for you? Like, um, you know, just even emotionally with all of the, you got to fill out a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of paperwork and a lot of writing and stuff. So how's that been for you? Yeah, the beginning stage, they don't make it too hard to start, but it's the, I think there's probably about four tests that, is it three or four that they make you take? Mm-hmm. And um, studying and passing those, that's the biggest hurdle. Um, it's going to be my biggest hurdle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah you're, you are well aware. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm at the pre-stage. I haven't even started filling out paperwork yet, but um, I was going to be doing that this summer. Um, but we moved everything up to kind of like do our soft launch this summer. So mm. I'm working on getting groups going and then also doing our nonprofit status. Cause I'm basically going to be trying to fundraise to keep this thing going. Yeah. So. That's a lot, man. So it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. A lot. Having to fundraise everything, you know, in order to like keep going. Yeah. It's a lot, but uh, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a two on the Enneagram, so I hate asking for help and I hate asking for things. So I just, I've had to lean into my strengths. Um, thankfully through the cohort that we were part of together, I did the strength finder, um, and realized that I've got some strengths that I can lean into. So one of my strengths is woo. And, um, I enjoy getting people excited about what I'm doing. So, um, when I have to fundraise and when I have to, you know, sign people up and do all this stuff, I just show them how excited I am about it and try to just show them the passion that I have and, you know, the mission that we're trying to do. And, uh, just, if it works, it works. You know, if I get, a yeah. yes, if I get a no, it's just, uh, it's just an opportunity for someone else to say yes. Mm. You know, it's a good perspective. It's the only perspective that keeps me going. You yeah. Know, honestly, you know, as you, as you know, you, you've kind of been talking about transitions, right? You're transitioning out of your undergrad and you had an internship lined up and you were like, man, that was really awesome. And not a lot of people, you know, have that. And, um, I think for me, um, I have always been kind of one of those people that either missed an opportunity or just didn't seek an opportunity and have always finished something without really having something to move right into. You know, I finished seminary without really having 
an end goal, you know, was I going to plant a church? Was I going to work for a church? Like, I didn't really know, you know? So I think there's something to be said about like having like a goal in mind, you know, and like moving into something. Um, that's, that's really, that's really important. So, so I, uh, I, I wish you well as you pass these tests and as you, as you move into them, that's, uh, whew, it's, it's very difficult. <laughs> yeah. Thank um, you. So you're working right now. You have a job right now. You still have a job lined up that you're moving into. I, I have two jobs right now that I'm working, um, but then I start um, a full time job in July that I'm excited about, and that'll be something that'll keep me uh, financially stable. Because it's so crazy, no one pays you to try to be ordained. Like you have to be working while you're pursuing ordination and taking all these tests. I don't pay you to plant a church either. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's just there's a lot of financial uncertainty with these decisions so the job is just a nice um it'll be it's a really nice gift so that's great yeah i think uh i think right now that added uncertainty of like not knowing what normal is going to look like after this you know um i think you something that'd be kind of fun for for us to to talk about for for a little minute you uh, you mentioned in the beginning that you'd gone through phases of of kind of processing quarantine and you sort of landed in this phase now where you're um, thinking about maybe not going back to normal and maybe imagining a new normal, you know? Um, and one of the things that I've been keeping an eye on is this, uh, and I actually asked Jen, cause I didn't really know. I was like, Jen, what is gaslighting? People, people keep talking about gaslighting. Like, what is that? So thank you, Jen, for telling me what it was when we were driving the car. Um, but um, there is uh, a bit of a narrative now of kind of like going back to normal. Um, that's a dominant narrative, but I think there's a subtle but powerful under narrative of no, 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 we've actually got a blank canvas to write a new normal. So, so say we're able to write a new normal, you know, what do you think is one thing that we could really learn from this whole time that would benefit us moving forward? That's such a good question. I think that's the million dollar question. <laughs> I can answer it. Um, it, it, it. The answer could be a million different things. Yeah, true. No? True. I, uh, I'll answer it for myself. I know that as an Enneagram nine, I'm really great at intuiting how other people are feeling. And I will absorb a lot of energy before I make a decision or before I even dare to feel something on my own being confined and not um, having any interaction with other people except for the news was um, a really challenging um, situation for that personality. So what I came to was just depression. And then I realized, I was like, I have to stop waiting for outside influence to tell me how to live and how to behave. And so my theory is that coming out of this, I'm going to be way more proactive in what do I want? What is my dream? What is the vision that God put in my heart? You know, when, when the image of God was imprinted on my soul, what is that calling me into? And, um, and I want to chase it, you know, instead of just waiting for people. So I think my hope is that that will be the lasting outcome from this is just choosing to, to act instead of waiting for someone to tell me it's okay to leave the house or, yeah. you know, start having friends again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's, I think that's so true. You know, we um, have kind of fallen into this. I know for me, I'm a people pleaser, you know, and 
maybe it's because I'm a child of divorce. Maybe it's just because of who I am. I don't know, whatever it is. I always care so much about what other people think, Mm. but, um, you know, I think I've seen, um, I've seen the simplicity of things that really mean so much to people. So I think a good example of this is, uh, some good news, John Krasinski. Yes. Um, they've done eight episodes now. Um, and just the, the way that he's been able to pull these things off with, um, you know, just calling in community, calling in favors and, you know, all of these things, it's been really special and they've been really been able to do some really great things to some really, you know, really special people. So, um, but having said that, um, the, you know, the production of all of that and how that all came together, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty simple. Another thing that I've really been enjoying is uh, the SNL at home. Yeah. And I feel like the last few episodes of them at home have been some of the funniest content all year. Do you feel, do you feel that too? I feel like there were a couple that I really liked. I, I struggled with some of them because I felt like they need the communal aspect. Yeah. yeah and it's just so tough to be funny alone (laughs) yeah that's true that's true I think what I think what impressed me was some of the creative creativity yeah just the willingness to be like like maybe maybe it's just my I appreciate effort I appreciate Mm. so much and if you are going to really just go into something and be like you know what I tried my hardest and and this is what I'm what you're going to get I I, I'm I'm like you know what thanks especially if you're trying to entertain people you know you're trying to entertain me you know like I I guess I I, for me I guess the bar is just kind of low you know and so I think that's been one thing that I'm taking away from this is just you know kind of like you're saying giving yourself grace and having that just thinking about yourself first you know why why do you feel um you mentioned the Enneagram do you think any other reason why you tend to put others before yourself just kind of always where you've been I think there's some conditioning in there too I mean I was raised in a very conservative evangelical home I was homeschooled um there was a homeschooled oh yeah for how long like the whole my whole life my whole life (laughs) wow yeah. Yeah. I went straight to college after actually I went to community college my senior year of high school. But yeah, so straight to college. Um so with that comes, you know, there's a lot of gender roles that come with that. And so women are usually encouraged to be you know, paying attention to what other people need. <laughs> yeah. Intuitive. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Which some of that's great. Um, and some of it's horrible. So, (laughs) well, I think if it's a gift, it's great. If it's an expectation, it's horrible. Yeah. You know, that might be a good way. Like if, if someone appreciates being intuitive and appreciates giving that to someone, then wow, that's great. But I think if someone is like, that's not genuinely who I am and someone that's something that Jen and I had to talk about in our relationship. Like what Mm. is, what is intuiting needs look like? Because, you know, I, I grew up in Michigan or in a conservative evangelical context. And so, you know, the women kind of acted the same way because of whether it was conditioning or because of whether it was culture or whatever, they acted the same way. And it wasn't until I moved to a big city um, and, and actually kind of stopped going to church and actually stopped hanging out with people who were exclusively religious that I realized like, oh, this is just how some women act. This is how <laughs> women act. Yeah, yeah. That was that was enlight- that was enlightening, um, and actually kind of like refreshing too, because um, 
yeah, because I, I wasn't really fitting in with, with some of that culture. So. Yeah. It's a whole, it is like, it's a whole culture. It's a whole beast. <laughs> would you, um, would you consider yourself a person who's deconstructed to a certain extent? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm hopefully at the phase where I've started to reconstruct. That's my hope. I think it all happens kind of simultaneously though. That's the weird part about deconstruction is as you're deconstructing, you're also rebuilding. And so mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I've really appreciated it. It's probably been the wet, the best uh, process I've gone through in my life. Um, yeah. Cause God has just been more and more real with each phase of deconstruction. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I would say for me, my deconstruction was, um, was rather startling in a, in a bit traumatic. Um, I didn't really expect it to happen. I remember when I, uh, we both went to the same seminary. You went to Fuller. I went to mm. Fuller. Um, and, uh, you're going to have an MDiv though, where I have an MATM, which is a vast difference. Ruth, far smarter than I am, <laughs> far more versed in languages and systematics and all these other things. So I will be referring to her for, uh, <laughs> but, but we went to the same school and, um, and uh, I remember, I remember early on in seminary, uh, I heard that they said like some like fifty percent of people like lose their beliefs or they lose their faith in seminary. And I was like, ha, not me. I'm gonna be solid as a rock. And then I took a class with Barry Taylor, and it all came crumbling down. <laughs> it all came crumbling down because Barry said in one day, he said in one lecture, he was like, oh yeah, so um there's a part in um Dubliners by James Joyce where the main character is sitting in a bar pub across from another person and they hear a shout in the street and the person sitting across said hey that's god and the person's like no no that was a shout in the street and the person said yeah i know that's god and Barry's like you see you can find god in anything god is everywhere god is in is in all things and i was like oh, you're right. God is in all things and through all things. And I was like, oh, that changes everything. <laughs> it changes everything for me. And so right then it was like the tapestry uh, came down. So I was in that. Yeah. Yeah. I was, was that your first quarter? No, I took Barry like towards the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was initially in the youth and family um, program emphasis. Um, because my whole life people were telling me I should be a youth pastor. Uh, I've kind of like always been naturally, uh, you know, drawing people together and like kind of shown leadership qualities. And so people have always been telling me, Oh, you should be youth pastor, youth pastor, you should be youth pastor. So I finally just like did it. But what I really want to do was worship music. Mm. So as I shifted, I shifted halfway through and went to worship music. My first semester after shifting, I also decided to go full-time on campus because I was just doing online and commute and just doing like online stuff. And I, I just wasn't getting an experience. Uh, a master's degree should not be done online, <laughs> you know, or at least the way that Fuller was doing it. Was yeah. That's so true. Working. So I, I switched to on, on campus. And so I was in, I was interacting more with people. Um, and that's where I got to interact more with pe- people like uh, Jesse Nipple and um, Tamisha Tyler and some of those, you know, old school people, Jonathan Stoner and some of those old school folks um, who um, also just kind of helped guide me through my deconstruction through, you know, our spiritual formation workshops and different things like that. So, um, yes, but, but my, my deconstruction, I was, I was mad. 
Yeah, I was really mad. But it, that that was my privilege coming out in a in a real stinky way. Mm. Fortunately. Hey man, at least it happens. It doesn't happen to a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know. And and I'm thankful that it did happen, you know, and I'm thankful that it happened graciously. And I'm thankful mm. that it happened in a way that, you know, didn't it wasn't public. You know what I mean? As mm. I someone who, you know, I I aspire to be known as someone who does good. You know what I mean? Um whiskey and rye is kind of uh it's kind of like it's, it's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing for me you know because I am kind of mostly straight edge and very you know kind of cut and dry and this this show is where I sort of let my hair down and and mm. let out a, a side of me that is very real you know what I mean um you know some great writers in the bible talk about you know, why does my body have these you know tendencies and these cravings that I don't understand um this is me kind of embracing one of those parts of me mm. another thing I learned in seminary is that you can embrace these icky parts of you you don't have to necessarily be ashamed of them um and again I, you know I give a lot of credit to to Nadia Boltz Weber on that oh yeah um you know her work on overcoming shame is uh is great and Brene Brown and vulnerability so a lot of women have helped, yeah. helped, you know, have helped free me from my shame, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love, man, you just listed off some really good names there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, I, and I'll make sure to include links to, to their work in the show notes so that, so that people can, can cause that's another part of, of what I like to do is, uh, is promote, you know, mm. new, people that, you know, you might not know, you know, but people who have really impacted me in a certain way. So, um, so anyway, I feel like we've we've landed that plane and I'm ready to take off another one. Okay. Right. Sounds um, great. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all, all for I've been it. Thinking about, yeah, something I've been thinking about lately. We've been going for a little bit. And I feel like we're really we're getting we're really warming up now and I'm, I want to get into something that, that I've been thinking about lately. So I've been thinking about and this will tie in good with advertising. I've been thinking about white male centered leadership <laughs> and the the toxicity of that. And um I watched a so so I don't have to edit out I, I um we won't name the person but there was a certain progressive Christian figure who got in a Twitter thing about a certain podcast episode I'm familiar so do you you're familiar with the with the situation and I was watching that whole situation from the stands um learning as what I feel that was the role um, in that, that was my role in that time. And I was thinking about that organization and I was thinking about how it all went down, you know, and how um, certain people that you would think would, you know, I was surprised on certain people were saying certain things and certain people who were affiliated with the organization, both past, past and present were speaking out against this leader, which I, which I thought, was really telling to something that maybe people not, maybe not have, would have expected from this organization. This organization is, is, is well known as being kind of on the forefront of progressive Christian topics. And so it really threw me when I was thinking about, wow, this person who, if you look at uh, someone screenshotted and, and, and took a picture of the, you know, the, the legal register of, of this company, and this person is everything. They, are, they hold every position in this organization in this organization and so thinking about white-centered leadership I've also been thinking about what happened a few months ago at relevant with Cameron strain 
and my good friend uh, Andre Henry, who wrote uh, at length about that. So, so I've been thinking about these two examples of really poor uh, leadership from white men um, that has done a lot of damage, a lot of damage. And I'm a white man who's about to start an organization very much like these other two, you know? Um, So I've been thinking a lot about this white centered leadership. So you're a woman, you're in leadership, you've come from advertising, you said that that's, you called it a boys club, you know, um, and so anybody that knows that knows it's a boys club. Um, now, moving into ministry, which, again, also a boys club, you know, uh, a lot of males, ministry, you know, and things like that. So, so just in thinking about white-centered, white male-centered leadership, and things like that, how, how has that made your life difficult? <laughs> What ways has that made your life fucking impossible? So. Oh my god! Um, yeah, wow. I well, first of all, I just want to say that I'm such a fan of a restored relationship with masculinity in male or female bodies. Um, you know. But I think, um, yeah, so the ultimate goal is restoration. I do want everybody at the table and, and I, I'm definitely not a man hater, but I, I think the hardest part about it was just that my call was veiled for so many years, you know, um, and I wasn't allowed to be who I was created to be. So like at 12 years old, I was at a, um birthday party sleepover and we were all telling each other what we wanted to be when we grew up and I said you know guys I'd love to be a pastor but I'm not allowed to do that so I'll be a missionary instead and um there's just a lot of time that I feel like was stolen from me that I just have to trust God um that that's going to be made up in the resilience of my determination to be who I'm supposed to be so That's the biggest thing. I think with the power that a lot of white men hold, they also hold people's identities in their hands sometimes. Um, So yeah, it goes deep. (laughs) No, it does. It's very, it's very real, but that's what we do here on the show. Cause the only way to expose these things is to talk about it. Yeah. Name them. Right. Yeah. If we don't name them, if we don't talk about them, if we pretend they don't exist and they just continue to permeate into the cracks and then we have things Uh, that just don't make sense you know like police officers walking into someone's house and killing a woman that wasn't even right that what were even supposed to be there you know yeah 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 just just things like that that you just can't you just can't you can't understand you know what i mean and you just it's just that it's systemic you know so um so so what were what were some of these um you know, you mentioned the show Mad Men. Were these meetings really, were they really like that? I mean, did they say those things in front of women, really? Were they like that crass in what they would say in front of women? It was really like that was just a part of the culture? Not every place I worked, but there were some places where, yeah, you could just tell that it had it had really gotten pretty stinky in that place. And the things that people got away with, I mean... Almost every single job I worked at, either I or someone that reported to me or someone I worked with had to go to HR for sexual assault. So like 
that speaks volumes about the culture of what's acceptable, you know, and that's not just in advertising. I think that's corporate culture in general. Um, but that is the patriarchy at work, you know, just like a, a certain level of unchecked power and, um, yeah, and women aren't exempt from abusing that power either. It's just not right now. That's not where the most of the abuse of power is taking place. <laughs> and, you know, I even argue, you know, can you argue? I mean, I guess you can because two wrongs don't make a right. But like, do you really give do you really fault someone who's just acting out of a conditioned behavior? You know what I mean? Like if a woman is maybe abusing her power isn't isn't that what she was taught to do you know what I mean in a way yeah that's so interesting and it's like that would apply I think that's the systemic part of all of this nastiness is that we it's in the water we drink it's in the air we breathe our children absorb it before they even are conscious like there's such a level of it's not just us versus them. It's, it's we <laughs> that hold this burden, you know, um, even for, for men too. I've been thinking a lot about how, um, let's say Trump gets a second term, you know, there are boys that were eight. They will be teenagers with guns by the time that he is out of office. And like, it was just in the air as they grew up into men, you know, and that has just been haunting me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these these get these young men will be sixteen, you know. Yeah. Um, that uh, and and just who knows at that point the the rhetoric that they'll be comfortable using, you know. Right. Uh, is uh, yeah, it's really, it's really, it's really scary. The the political, the you know, the the thing that we're gonna figure out right now, and this is something I was talking about with some of my friends the other night, is uh, Trump made a comment about how he could go in the middle of the street and shoot someone and he was right and if he is re-elected this time he will have gone into the street and shot over a hundred thousand people and still gotten re-elected so i think people need to let that sink in uh, yeah. if anyone is really thinking about re-electing this person um there's no way around it um in terms of the way that this virus is, has been allowed to spread um, and continues to spread, and just the inconsistent messaging, the the just the whole way that the the me, the media and everyone handled, you know, the information regarding what to do about this thing, has just been so convoluted and just so it's it's really sad, you know. Yeah. People don't know what to believe anymore. Um, we don't. Yeah, know. the misinformation is just crazy right now i don't think i've never seen anything like it yeah so as a woman what does it feel like when you see men who are in power just use something like twitter social media to just lie and just say all this crap and get away with it what does that feel like as like a woman in leadership who's trying to be noble and do all these things like what does that feel like (laughs) i think just as a human, as an American citizen, it's just disheartening. Um, and I think, you know, what's so interesting though, as, um, as I've kind of been stepping into my own leadership role, it has given me confidence to know there is a void to fill and to trust my own abilities. When I see the way that leadership is mishandled, 
um, and the way that power is distributed to people that don't haven't earned the privilege, you know, to be a leader or have the power. So in a way, it's just continued affirmation that um, there is a need out there for wisdom. And uh, if I, yeah, it's so interesting. Part of me just wants to dismantle the whole leadership and power idea completely because women need to stop buying into that same lie, like you were saying earlier, you know. Um, but there is there is a certain element. Leaders, leaders are important, <laughs> male or female, you know, non-binary cis, like people who are leaders are important. And yeah, I think it, it's it's just an extra push, like like for me, yeah. it's like keep doing it, you know. We need everybody. <laughs> right, right. Well, I think we're at that point now where we're seeing more voices pop up, and I think that was the thing that sort of maybe took. Um, just to go back to this uh, popular figure who got into some hot water on Twitter, I think maybe this person approached the topic thinking that it was you know, we're just going to have kind of this conversation, but I think not respecting the voices and not respecting the people that they were including in the conversation was really the point that was missed, I think, throughout the countless explanations that folks were trying to offer um, through this time is that, no, 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 the conversation is fine if you're including the voices. And I think that's where we are. That's where we are now. And I think um, some, some some of the things that frustrate m- me about that is is I feel like we're at a point where we have to explain to people why it's important important to include you know voices because some folks just don't want to see the diversity of our country. But I also think I try to give grace because I think we do live in kind of a diversity bubble here. You and I are both in Los Angeles. Yeah, very lucky to be exposed to such rich diversity. Um, to where, where I'm from in Michigan, much more homogenous, you know, and probably same. Yeah. Um, uh, though you're from Kansas City, which is a happening happening place. Yeah, Kansas City's great. I really miss it. I I have to. I have all the good things to say about that city. Uh, I think there are parts though of Kansas and Missouri that fit the same description of being very similar to Michigan. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm in Nashville and they kind of say that, you know, they say that Nashville is a, a slab of butter uh, in the middle of a really, you know, it's like a red slab of butter in the middle of a blue pancakes. Yeah. You know, uh, that's what they kind of say Nashville is. So I, I assume that that Casey's probably uh, the same way, but you know, I've actually never, I know, I know two people in the flesh from Kansas City, and there's one celebrity um, from Kansas City who I know, and I, I like them all. You know, they're all great people. Just Is great it people from Kansas City. Janelle Monae? Uh, Heidi Gardner. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Janelle Monae. Now that's a, that's a force that I like just as much. As- yeah, she's from my like hometown, like where I grew up. KCK Wyandotte County in wow. yeah I once I found that out I was like yes <laughs> man like an early gig or something would have been like I would have been amazing yeah <laughs> wow. yeah yeah I uh I grew up in a very small town in Michigan and I'll never forget one one time um my hometown they they said a congratulations to me on Twitter because my band went to South by Southwest so that was that's, like yeah that's huge yeah, that was big. So they they gave me a shout out on that. So that's my claim to fame. Perry, Michigan. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think there's 2,500 people. There's probably a little bit more now, but it's a, it's a very small town. Wow. Yeah, I had six, no, 600. There's 600 people in like the whole school, like 100 people in my graduating class. That's how many homeschool kids graduated my year in Kansas City. Yeah, so you, you were the same thing, you know, homeschool yeah. kids, so. And that, uh, that's, that's a cool experience. My mom, now my mom homeschooled my sister for a couple of years. Um, they used a program. It was a Christian homeschooling program. It was called a Becca book. Oh yeah. We did that too. Yeah. Oh, too. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember, I remember those. So there was probably some, there was probably some latent, not so subtle, like, Hey, you better be submissive <laughs> tones to, to that stuff too. So you were probably getting like a double whammy. Oh um, yeah. In there. Oh man, that's tough. That actually though, I was wondering how I was going to segue to this, but I just used a great jumping off point so we can kind of land this point on this because I really wanted to talk about dating. Yes. Uh, I think dating would be a fun thing for us to talk about. I love your hot takes on dating. You Before this whole thing went down, that's initially why I was like, I've got to get Ruth on the show. Her hot takes on men and dating and men on, and, and like her encounters with men, uh, both in person and online are just, they're so amazing because first of all, you're very insightful. You're a very insightful person. You're also a very passionate person, which is great. But the thing that I love about you is you are so damn hilarious. And you just have this way of so eloquently pointing out the different nuances of the different sort of like classes of men that are like (laughs) and so I just love it so so obviously we can't talk I mean actually maybe we can talk about I would love to know if you're getting any like hot dms right now or (laughs) like you know if you're getting any sort of like covid calls oh yeah oh yeah there was not a lot but there was one guy I talked to probably a year ago and I deleted his number and then this text just pops up, you know, you know, Hey, how's it going? And I'm just like, who, who are you? Like, who is this? You know, and he's like, Oh, you know, it's me. We did blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I hope all is well. Peace. <laughs> you know, was he a Libra? I don't know, man. <laughs> I saw like uh, on Instagram, one of those like bingo things came up for like your sign. And like one of them was like Libra bingo. And one of the things on there was like texture X. Yeah. <laughs> really funny. Yeah. Funny, like, something that a Libra would be during COVID. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh man. So, uh, <laughs> so, so guys, not so much hitting you up. So what was, a, what was dating like for you before this? Because you're, you're a professional, you're a professional woman, first of all. You're kind of you're entrepreneurial. You're starting things. Um, you know, you're uh, you're a catch. Let's be real about this. Oh, thanks. Um, but you you actually oh, I just remember you actually also you helped write dating profiles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like my after I dated a ton in Kansas City. I was like, no one knows how to use online dating. Like everybody needs help, and so I bought a domain and created a website and like a day and just started working with clients online um stagdate.com and i went to your site and it's amazing and dollars <laughs> i can have you craft me if i were in need a bio that's guaranteed matches that's right yeah there was a guy i was working with one of my first clients um he owned a couple businesses in kansas city and he just he was a millionaire and he just couldn't get a woman to go on a date with him. And I was like, let's see your profile. 
And it was just horrendous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> likes me for me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, let's remove that part. <laughs> um, but it, all you have to do is just be really human and approachable and authentic. And you're just going to get way more, way more matches. So he, I think, I don't know if they're still together, but he met a serious girlfriend within a day after we worked together. So wow, I was happy with that. Great. <laughs> yeah. So encouraging authenticity on an online platform where people are known to post pictures of themselves from like three years ago. Yeah. So how, how are those first few conversations about promoting honesty? What are those conversations like? I think people are just surprised about what works, especially men. And I, um, and I, I haven't worked with a lot of gay men. I've only predominantly worked with straight cis men, but they have this idea that like the gym pick and like the fish pick and like the hunting pick are going to be what really brings in the ladies. And um, honestly, it's just more of a casual picture that's really happy and genuine and that authenticity is just so hard to find. So if you're that guy, you're, people are going to be all over it. Yeah. So like, if you're not a fisherman, don't like go out and catch like the smallest fish. <laughs> and you're like, fish pick. That's right. Yeah. Like don't have your younger brother. Who's good at Photoshop, like Photoshop you like on a boat with like a giant Marlin. Totally. You know? Cause you're telling you to get called out on that. Yeah. And like, they, it's so funny too because there's like there's I would say there's like um labels that come with some of those things that you don't want people to put on you before you talk to them mm-hmm. so I would always tell men to steer away from things that would kind of um jump the shark or that would somehow have the woman thinking something about you that isn't true yet so yeah authentic but a little bit um reserved <laughs> that's that's really that's good advice because yeah. you don't you want to remain a little bit mysterious right because like having mystery is definitely a thing that was always my problem in dating is I'm just like here's my whole thing here's my all my stuff I have a hard time a hard time holding back you know and if I was on dating profiles I would have probably put a picture of like me with my mom that would have been like my that would have been uh, that would have been like my brand you know but again I grew up Christian so talking about some of those like ingrained things, they ingrained things in us too. Yeah. They, they ingrained some, some things in us men too, that were not so awesome either. And uh, some of those things were like, you know, just, yeah, kind of weird, but I would have definitely had a picture with me and my mom. Like it would be me and my mom on Bumble. That's, that's actually a, not a bad That'd choice. Be a good yeah. Yeah. Just so you know, that's like, that's, passes the test. I have a good relationship with my mom. I have a good, we have a good relationship. So I think it, that would be genuine though. That would be authentic. Yeah. Would be authentic. Yeah. That would work. I would approve. Yeah. That would, that would work. That would work. Yeah. <laughs> so what were, you know, do you have any, like, do you remember any, like just total, like, like, I guess I should say more so like where, where'd you find these guys? Like, how do they find you? Like, where were they located? Were they located in LA? Were they located in rural areas? Like where, where the hell are these guys? They were predominantly in the Kansas City area. So once I posted it on Facebook that I was doing this, um, at that point, it was just all word of mouth. And so I would have emails coming in from people in the beginning that I knew, and then people that I didn't know. And um, it was kind of like Hitch, where it's just mm. client, client to client would tell, but I didn't do any advertising. Yeah. 
and uh did they, so, did they know it was you like did they know it was a woman or did yeah like I'll have a picture up and so they would know who they're meeting and then I would always meet them face to face if I could so we would do a sit-down consultation um and I would look over their photos I'd rewrite their bio I'd interview them and get to know them try to look get you know what are they looking for what do they want and how can their bio help them get that yeah so you know, I didn't ever really have anyone that just sat me down and was like, I just really want to get laid. So can you just make sure that my profile is like a magnet for one night stands? Thankfully, no one asked me to do that. <laughs> good. That's good. Because that's just, that's just ugly. It would have been difficult. Yeah. I would have been like, yay. Hey. We were like, oh, well, thanks for your time. But I, I refuse the right to reserve, to, you know, refuse yeah. to anyone. I reserve the right to refuse service. But, that's so true. But, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, any guys that you were like, ooh, I wish, I wish we'd be a match. No. And that was like one thing that really, yeah, it surprised me yeah. too. And there were a couple of people that I think paid for my work. And uh, I think they were hoping that something. Uh, so they were maybe trying. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. well, yeah. Your catch, Ruth. Oh, thanks. And I, hey, you know, I, I got to hand it to them. Like. They really invested, so. True, yeah. <laughs> they really invested. They really put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. $50 as opposed to spending $50 on a date and then expecting sex. That's exactly right. Give you the $50. Like, that's, that's yeah. Nice. Yeah. Appreciate that. By the end, they'd be like, okay, so this is, profile is good. And I'd be like, yeah, it looks great. And then they'd be like, would you swipe right on it? <laughs> oh, you lost me. No, you just lost it. Yeah. that's the end so what did this what did this morph into did this just like stop are you still doing it or I since I moved to LA I haven't really worked with it at all um well that's not true the first couple years here I did some but I stopped promoting it um mainly because I got so busy and I've been working like two jobs and going to grad school but it's something that I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. and um I think the thing that is the best about it is just how you really do see that everyone just wants to connect. Like there is a, a deep honesty. Usually when these men approach me that they've gotten so far that they're willing to ask for help. Mm-hmm. They're pretty genuine. Um, and it's just kind of a refreshing view of humanity to see like how tender hearted people really are. And, um, yeah, I was just honored, you know, that they would trust me with their story and be that vulnerable. Some of them were almost like therapy sessions and, you know. Yeah, a lot of guys uh, my age, I'm 36. So um, a lot of guys that are around that that age, um, I, I, we're in the same age bracket. So you're probably younger than me, but we're in the same age bracket. So guys around our age, yeah. if we're going to be pursuing you, you know, if they're my age, uh, they're going to have some sort of issue from their past, some sort of wound as, uh, as John Eldridge would say, uh, that they're carrying around with them most of the time it has to do with dad, you know? Thankfully, I healed the stuff with my dad before I moved to California. So I didn't carry that wound around with me any longer than I had to, which was really awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I lived with my dad for a year uh, between living in New York and moving to California. And in that year, um, we had just really long talks, um, really late talks, really honest talks. And then we would just go fishing. 
and he would uh, just really teach me about life on the pond. And and I one one thing I would love to do sometime is is just kind of write down a memoir about all the life lessons he taught me about fishing. You know, because he lived on this man-made lake, or he still lives on this man-made lake, and it's uh, it has some of the biggest fish in the area, uh, but they're so tricky to find. Uh, so you have to be really strategic about it, you know? And so there's like all these life lessons we're learning, you know, one day we go out and we're just throwing casts out hour after hour. And he's like, well, you know, son, maybe we just got to switch out our lures, you know, and you just got to try something new, you know, we'll, we'll switch it out. We cast it out and boom, first through we catch this massive fish. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, you know, there's, there's all these like life lessons we're learning about, you know, well, let's just go over to this other spot and well, let's try there. And well, let's maybe go back and give it another try. And, you know, see so these like not giving up on things and just all of these amazing life lessons uh, that I was able to glean from my dad over that summer. So I'm glad that we were able to do that, but not all guys have been that lucky, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and um you know, a lot of guys have it worse off than me, where actually they have a bad relationship with their dad. They have a bad relationship with their dad and their mom. That that's tough. You know, so guys are carrying around a lot of a lot of baggage and we're bad communicators in general. <laughs> yeah. You put those two together. Yeah. Your baggage and bad communication, you know what I mean? Like that's just that's a tough combo. Yeah. That that's a yeah. that's a yeah. tough combo. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Yeah. So so as you've been like, you know moving on in your life are you are you interested are you dating anyone were you dating anyone before this whole thing happened like what's your no and I I'm I was talking to someone like right before this thing hit but it was about to die like right when Ah. COVID happened so I kind of used COVID (laughs) I was like hey there's a situation on a global scale So I don't know if you've been following this global pandemic that we're about to embark on, but it's making me reflect on things. And yeah, I was like, I don't think we can keep talking. <laughs> I just feel like something's telling me that our time is about to wrap up. Yeah, <laughs> it was really convenient. I've never had like such a great assist from a disaster. Like, <laughs> to, like... Oh, <laughs> That's right. I'm just like I got you, girl. Yeah, I feel you know, it's it's so crazy. But thankfully, like he called me a week ago and was like, "Hey, I met someone, but you're really cool. Can we still be friends?" And I was like, "This is what I love. Like, I love it when that happens." Yep. So cheers to him. Yeah, cheers. I was just talking. Uh, who was saying? Someone I uh, respect was just saying recently about how you can have an amicable breakup. How not every breakup has to end with like, "fuck you," "no," "fuck you," "die." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can be like, you know, didn't work. Care about you as a person, but yeah. We're just In fact, gonna- one of my best friends is an ex, and I just like, I'm. Oh, just- yeah. I'm so grateful that that is how it shook out because you meet so many cool people when you're dating, you know? Yeah, you do. And, you know, um, as someone who has maintained pretty civil relationships with a couple of exes or, uh, be- before I was married, um, you know, it's, it's really one of those things that, like, you just realize, like, man, I met this cool person at the wrong time in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, if I would have met him at a different time, then maybe things would be different, but they're still a cool person. You know, even though I didn't meet him at the right time in my life, you know, and I also think, um, 
and forgive me if this sounds privileged, but I think that you do meet some people who just like move you to the next place in your life. And then that's just kind of like their, that's their part, you know, and you play that role actually for some people too. Like you actually just move someone forward in their life. And that's absolutely, it's hard, you know? Um, but I think that's just kind of like how you do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Face. That's what my therapist always tells me. He's like, it's mutual. You're, you're helping each other. <laughs> each other. Yeah. Help me help you. Help me help you. I love Jerry. Yeah. Play. <laughs> I do. Yes. I love Tom Cruise in general, even though he's like crazy, but as an actor, uh, he's, he's uh, some of my favorite movies. Top Gun for sure. One of my favorite, but Jerry Maguire also very high up on the list. Um, Tropic Thunder. Is oh Yeah. That's true. He's, he's, he's a um, wacko, but man, his films are good. Yeah. Don't necessarily subscribe to his beliefs, but boy, can he act in the yeah. film. He still does stunts and all that stuff. And he did a lot of the stuff for the new Top Gun. It's um, insane. Tip of the cap. And I cannot wait for that new Top Gun. I know. Me too. Yeah. I cannot wait. Yeah. Yeah. And the new James Bond, like that's yeah. on hold now. Yeah. And this is the last one with Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping for Idris. I know for new jazz bond i would really love that absolutely i would really i would really love that i can't think of anyone else that i would like unless they went with someone who i don't know uh currently right now roger moore is my favorite james bond uh who he only did a handful um but for me roger moore he takes he takes the cake for me wow really above daniel craig above daniel craig yeah yeah i think just you know it's kind of like that whole like debate like better bruce wayne better batman you know yes um you know like there have been some that are really great at bruce wayne but not so great at being batman like michael keaton was a great bruce wayne but a terrible batman because he's so tiny he's like a he's like a baby (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah so true yeah basinger was like six inches taller than him barefoot you know what i mean yeah it didn't work um yeah it's just like yeah so he was not a great batman but he was great uh, he was a, a great uh, Bruce Wayne, you know. Yeah. And so I think the the James Bond, like Daniel Craig, he's great at the, but he's too he's too beefy, you know. He's yeah, too, too triangly up top. He's too much of a triangle. He's he's got too broad of shoulders. To me, James Bond. Um, I thought Pierce Brosnan was good structurally for James Bond, um, but you know, he just he has weird mannerisms that I don't like. Plus, he's always going to be the guy from Mrs. Doubtfire to me. I just can't take him seriously other than Larry. This is Doubtfire. I wonder how many other people feel that way. Nobody. I am the only one that's like, he's not James Bond. He's Stuart Dunmeyer. <laughs> hey, Robin Williams pulled the Mercedes thing off the top of his car. That's right. Oh man! So, I don't even know. How, I don't even know how we got. Uh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. We were talking. Uh, we were talking Batman and and uh, and uh, James Bond. So, um, so do you? What do you think dating is going to be like? Like after this? Like do do you think you should fire up that old online dating website? Because I don't know if we're going to be touching bodies anytime soon. Like yeah, it's such a good question. I think a lot of people are. I mean, there's a lot of relationships happening right now, and the online community is packed with people. This is the best time to start online dating because you'll actually get the net is cast so much wider. Right. Um. The problem is how long are you willing for it to be long distance? Because that's really what we're talking about, even if it's just your neighbor. Um, I have seen some really creative ideas, though, of staying distant and still dating someone. 
it's just how long can you do that? That's, <laughs> that's the real question, which I think is up to the person and their self-control. <laughs> I think that's exactly it. Yeah. I do think it's funny that now though that we've moved back into like this cultural thing where like no one thinks that sex is like no one's like hooking up. Like it's kind of I know that so I was gonna say like a lot of people actually are hooking up right now a lot of people are but they're kind of being looked at like hey you probably shouldn't be doing that you know what I mean so it's so funny it's almost like we've taken a step back in time but we're now thinking like for health reasons we shouldn't be hooking up not for like Jesus reasons and God (laughs) it's more so like the greater health of everyone but it's kind of fascinating right how we're like we're gonna have to go back to be like dearest Ruth today I awoke dreaming of your face you know in the moment (laughs) I can see you and I will drop this letter off to you later at a social distance you know what I mean yeah it's changing it yeah yeah and it's almost a nice like you're saying it's kind of like a breath of fresh air in the way people are approaching each other because it's longer there's more drawn out it's kind of the way that courtship used to be and I'm not talking about like 80s evangelical courtship i'm talking about like legit romance courtship yeah exactly and i also think it's leveled the playing field too like especially for guys here in la one of the things that i wish that i would have been able to do out of my uber was run a dating service because i'm telling you i met some of the greatest most genuine well-rounded guys in the city driving for uber that i was like i wish that i could just like find someone that I can hook you up with. And the same with women. I've met some of the coolest down to earth, just like chill women that I was like, man, I wish that I could like match you with this guy. And like, here's this guy and here's this girl or here's this guy and this guy. And you should just be together, you know, just like a matchmaker, you know? But I think right now, like we've, we've even the playing field, you know, because guys like me who were uh, a little bit more romantic, I've never been able to like, peacock like some of these guys at equinox you know what i mean like i can't roll in with my eight you know or like roll in in like a really expensive car or have like you know you know my Givenchy like sweats or whatever it is you know what i mean like i can't flex like that but i can make you a killer mixtape that will (laughs) definitely you know pull at your heartstrings a little bit you know what i mean and that's actually like if we're talking about building a genuine connection that's an idea that's the move makes them on a spotify playlist is recording someone imagine imagine if some guy that you were dating you know a couple of dates couple of long you know we're staying up late talking oh it's so nice he's like yeah you know i made you a spotify playlist oh my gosh that's a win yeah it's a win it's so thoughtful genuine but yeah it's got to be thoughtful right yeah i mean it can be a spotify playlist of you know bump and grind and you know (laughs) song you know we're talking nice playlist here you know it's not like thirst trap playlist right, right. <laughs> it's like nice stuff you know yeah really nice. yeah like snow patrol all of those good things these are these are good tips man this is like i'm all about should... love, guys yeah i just i love love i love love yeah. i love love and I know that guys have a ton of love to give, except we only think we can give love through our genitals. That's how, you know, we think that's like how we, that's like the only way, you know, the, one of the last episodes I talked about, like how we express our emotions. And I talked about the book, The Five Love Languages, 
Mm. And um, I hadn't read that book, but as as my mom listened to the episode and she told me, she's like, actually, if you, she's like, I have read the book and the author says in there that every guy, his top love language is physical touch. That's how they express their love is through being physical. So if that's the case, how do we help these men have a healthy relationship with physical expression? Yeah. Just because that's your default to showing love, that doesn't mean your partner needs to be open to you expressing your, (laughs) expressing your feelings, whatever you want. You have to have some, you know, listening paves the way. Yeah. 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 I mean, just active listening, um, was something that I, I wish I would have learned earlier on. It's something that I try to teach my son now, you know, um, he's almost two years old and he's starting to express his frustrations. I just got this book, um, no drama discipline. Mm. I'm going to be reading right now. And it talks a lot about like the child's developing brain and stuff. But like the cool thing about being a parent is I get, uh, a, a, like a inside look to my own brain. You know, because whatever is happening to him, my brain operates the same way. I'm just a little bit older, you know. So what I what I hope to learn from this book in terms of no drama discipline and how I talk to him, I, I hope it will help me talk with Jen and other people in my life and just not, you know, being so quick to act. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, uh, I got I got through everything on my list, and I'm gonna edit. I'm gonna edit out. I'm not gonna say it again because I'll have to edit out twice. But I'll edit out the name of the company that you said. Oh, maybe that's proprietary. I'll edit their name out. Uh, okay. Don't worry about that. But Thank uh, you. but gosh, I uh, you know I had I always wonder. I have these grandiose thoughts about how my interviews will go, and I always hope that they're gonna be this certain way and. You know, when it when it actually happens and those and those interviews are actually better than I can anticipate it, ah, it just makes me feel so good. It makes me feel like this is this is just so right and the timing was right. You know, we were supposed to connect months ago. I know, I feel so bad. No, I mean you were in finals, which was great. Um and I you know, honestly I just wanted to drink with you. That was let's be honest. Like I just totally talk. And so that was, you know, the whole thing is I've got a full bottle of whiskey here, you know, that uh I'm going to have to just slowly drink it myself, which is fine. But uh, I would have loved to make a dent in that with you. But gosh, I just feel like timing now was right. Mm. Uh, I feel like getting through, you know, a couple weeks of this quarantine and now like letting the news that we're probably going to have to be quarantined a little bit longer sit, sit in. Um, I just feel like it's the right time. And I feel like everything that we covered today was so helpful. And I think that the the listeners that will take away from this is going to be so great. And we're, we're at the point where we're building the community. You know, we have a solid foundation of people who are interacting with the episodes, but we're at the point now where we're going to uh, encourage people to start sharing, you know, and so, uh, and start sharing these episodes with people as a way to kind of encourage spreading our message. And I just, cannot wait to give this episode to people to share uh, because I think everything that we covered now is so much in line with where we're going and the show and what we want to do and the type of conversations we want to have. Um, and so, you know, I talked about kind of pivoting a few times. Um, I knew this episode would be a bit of a pivot for us because this is my first interview uh, in a little while. I haven't interviewed someone in a while. And so I was really excited to be able to talk with someone. So I'm just so glad that someone was you. Thank Yay. You. 
Yeah. I'm so oh, yeah. Yeah, on, on the show. And I'm going to make sure to include uh, links to things for you. But is there any place that you would like to direct people to right now that they can, um, you know, if they're interested in, in hearing more from you or following more of your work, what would you suggest? How can people keep, keep in contact with you? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Ruth Schmidt. Cool. Well, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. So all you have to do is just click that link and then hit the follow button when you're there. But Ruth, so glad to see you. Thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. All right, friends, there you have it. Thank you so much to my friend Ruth for being amazing and for sharing so much wisdom and insight. Make sure you are following along with her on social media uh, to keep up with her great work. Um, coming up next, we've got an interview with my friend Michael Kinsman, and we're going to be talking about whiskey and wine and how that mixes in with theology and his passions and everything. And so uh, I'm really looking forward to talking with Michael. But uh, for now, let's get ready for our hand claps because, guys, this is just my favorite part of the episodes now. Here we go. Whew. Gotta get on time. Clap, clap. Uh, here's the dance break. Breakdown. Man, I love to dance it out after this episode. Time record. Man, this is awesome. All right, friends, make sure you are sharing this uh, episode. Make sure you're sharing all of this good stuff with your friends at Whiskey and Rye Podcast. And make sure you're coming back uh, soon for my interview with Michael Kinsman. You're not going to want to miss it. Until then, I raise my glass to you. Cheers. Cheers.